Good morning, I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our link to cyber space through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the Spymaster Director of our Mystery Shopping Report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Good morning, everybody. Well, your auto keep, uh, keep yourself safe team is here assembled in the studios in North Palm Beach. And uh, we're looking forward to a show. I hope you're looking forward to the show as much as we are. And uh, this is our second decade, I believe, in doing radio shows for consumers to protect you and uh, have a little fun at the same time. We aim to educate, entertain. Uh, we like to amuse you occasionally. You can amuse us, entertain us, and educate us too. Uh, it's a free flow, live radio, very exciting event, two hours every Saturday morning Tell everybody about it, because where else can you go and call and get information on the mechanics and repairs? We've got Rick Kearney in the studio here, the one of the best uh, computer auto scientists around. You can call him anything from a grease monkey to a technician to a mechanic. I prefer computer auto scientists. This is the 21st century. And if you're not on top of your learning curve with automotive today, you're going to be left in the dust. Cars are very complicated. They're even, uh, sometimes they're too complicated, even for the people at the end where they repair them, you have to actually talk to technicians that are experts at the factory. Um, it's, uh, it's becoming complex. Uh, computers, they're computers on wheels. So if you have any questions about your car, mechanically, uh, electronically, <laughs> artificial, intelligently, Bluetooth, all that stuff out there, internet, uh, sort of a, a vehicle you're driving, call us at 877-960-9960, 877-960-9960. We tend to give priority to the sales end, and uh, that's not the right way to go about it. I guess maybe the sales end could be more entertaining. Our mystery shopping report is probably uh, one of the most entertainment, entertaining things on radio. I mean, I, I don't want to be immodest about it, but I think it's really, really uh, fun. I, uh, we mystery shop a different car dealership somewhere in Florida, sometimes out of the state of Florida, Tennessee, a couple times recently, and uh, we pretend to buy or lease a car. We'll take an ad, a too-good-to-be-true ad. They're all too-good-to-be-true. I say this not tongue-in-cheek, but look in the eye dead serious, don't believe any car dealer advertising you see. Don't be, believe any auto manufacturer advertising you see. I dare anyone to show me an advertisement from an auto manufacturer or a car dealer advertising the price or payment on a car that is totally legitimate, totally transparent. Aintgonnahappen.com. 
all Chevrolet Camaros with the same equipment, all Chevrolet Corvettes with the same equipment, sell for exactly, cost the dealer exactly the same. The MSRP is exactly the same. The amount of discount that a dealer can afford to give is exactly the same. So if you're shopping for a Chevrolet Corvette or a Ford Bronco, you are going to get lower prices advertised and quoted to you than they can possibly deliver on. Why? Because if they put the legitimate price in there, you could take that price and go to their competition, which is only a few blocks away. Car dealers have too much competition in each market, and uh, that was the fault of the manufacturers. You go into any metro area, you'll find four, five, six Chevrolet dealers, Ford dealers, Toyota dealers, Honda dealers, and they're, they're within a few minutes' drive of each other. So it would be suicide for a car dealer to put his real price in his advertisement. So they lie to you. That's really the reason the show is on the air from a sales perspective, and I just covered the service, repair, and maintenance perspective. So love to hear from you. 877-960-9960. Text us at 772-497-6530. We have an, a, a unique line that you can contact us anonymously. And as you might expect, the URL, the website, is youranonymousfeedback.com. Y-O-U-R-A-N-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S, feedback.com, youranonymousfeedback.com. It's become probably our most popular means of receiving queries and comments and whatever. You'd think we'd get a lot of uh, harsh, uh, candid, uh, profane, or even vulgar comments, but we don't. I guess that speaks to our audience. We have, we're really preaching the choir. A lot of our listeners, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but I would like to have people that need it more, but a lot of our listeners are very intelligent, very sophisticated. Uh, we need more just normal people that need help. So spread the word for us, please. And uh, lastly, we have a new thing that we put in called Earl's Vigilante. So I'm wearing my vigilante hat. And there's a little decal there. Uh, when you join up, we send you a hat free. And uh, we're looking for representatives in all parts of the world. Let's start with the U.S. And uh, you will be there as a vigilante. We'll have you on our website, uh, earlandcars.com. And we'll have your availability, your contact information for people that get victimized, people that need help. You might be in Missouri. You might be in Florida. You might be in Hawaii. You might need problem. We need vigilantes in all 50 states. Let's start there. And that is earlsvigilantes.com. earlsvigilantes.com. Well, let, us, uh, let, let me introduce uh, my, my co-host, uh, Nancy Stewart. Been with me since uh, the beginning of the show. We were just a half an hour on a little radio station called Seaview. Same physical location, different station, different owners. Uh, now we're two hours and we're on Saturdays, but uh, we've been on for, this is uh, 20 years about, we've been on the air, and uh, Nancy, she's also my wife, uh, co-founded the show with me, and uh, she is a female advocate, uh, she talks to the ladies directly, she has a special offer she'll tell you about, if you're a first time caller and you call the show, we have a, a really nice surprise uh, uh, for you, positive sort of a gift she'll tell you about. And she, well, she wants to hear the ladies' opinion. So, 
Nancy, it's all yours. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another exciting show here at Earl Stewart on Cars. Uh, I want to thank the ladies this morning for helping me and supporting me with this platform uh, that we have been running for quite a long time. Uh, we recognize the fact that uh, your, you know, your contribution is uh, pretty significant. Significant uh, uh, when you go to purchase or lease service anything at all so therefore uh, we'd like to extend uh, fifty dollars uh, for the first two new lady callers uh, it's a win-win situation give us a call if you don't have a question you can uh, you know share your opinion with us so give us a call toll free at 877-960-9960 that's 877-960-9960 and you can also text us this morning at 772-497-6530. Uh, uh, well, back to the recovering car dealer. Uh, Sue Stewart, uh, got in here in the nick of time this morning. Uh, it's always exciting coming to a live radio station. I remember one time I had a flat tire. That was real exciting. And uh, sometimes you have traffic problems and bridges go up. Rick made it. I mean, Rick, I mean, Stu made it in the nick of time. That's right. And uh, he got here at 7.59. No thanks to my daughter, Maggie, who parked behind me. And uh, if you're listening, don't worry, I made it in time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I used uh, Actually, I used a cool bit of uh, vehicle technology to know exactly when I was going to arrive. I was using Apple Maps on Apple CarPlay, and it had my ETA as 7.58, so I texted Earl that, and I pulled in at exactly 7.58. Pretty yeah. cool, huh? I knew you did that. Huh? Yeah, I didn't guess that. I love, uh, I love Google. <laughs> Anyway, this week, uh, our mystery shopping report I'm pretty excited about just because it's a dealership that we've never heard of. It like sprung up overnight underneath, right underneath our noses. We didn't know it was there. So I was really, it's a Mitsubishi dealership. We mystery shop Palm Beach Mitsubishi um, on the corner of, uh, gosh, I can't remember where it is. It's down there in uh, Australian and. Yeah, Australian and down there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's in West Palm Beach. Yeah. And uh, I thought all the Mitsubishi dealerships were going away. We had one right around the corner from the Toyota dealership. Belvedere in Australia. Belvedere in Australia. And uh, it was built to a brand new point, and I thought that was kind of cool. But then again, <laughs> I'm, I'm a car guy, and I think weird things are cool. <laughs> but it's a good mystery shopping report. I'll tell you something interesting about that. The owner that you identified, Christian Berrien, yeah. he was uh, Trent Brown. Our company boat sea captain's uh, last boss. Oh, okay. I hired Trent, and he was working for Chris Berrien. Yeah, I looked him up and just trying to see what other dealerships he owned. He owns a Coral Cadillac, um, and I don't think there's any other dealerships, but his name's associated with some real estate things and some other stuff. That's so the only probably, one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, uh, it's always lo- good to learn something new, and uh, we will educate our listeners about what to look out for. Okay, how about uh, text at YouTube? Did we edit in this early? Uh, every week we have some waiting for us. Uh, we can kick it off with Anne Marie's text because it was sitting there as I got here at 7:58 a.m. Hmm. Um, Anne Marie <laughs> says, "Good morning. Uh, news outlets report that car rental firms sold off a lot of their inventory last year, and rental cars are in short supply this year. This prompts the question: Do you know where the major car rental companies get their cars? Do they get them straight from the automakers, or do they get them through dealers? Just wondering. Thanks. Have a great day." That's a great question. Uh, Stu has an interesting anecdote about a group of dealers that we belong to that are upset at Toyota about uh, f- where rental cars get their cars from. Yeah, fleet sales. I mean, every manufacturer um, 
does a ton of business um, in what they call in fleet sales, and they sell them in bulk to um, rental car companies, um, corporations that have maintained fleets of vehicles, and they usually buy them before below the 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 cost that dealers uh, get them for to sell to normal retail customers, and uh, so that's part of it. But they also do get them from dealers as well. Um, and they they try to buy them at co at below cost. Um, we were recently approached uh, with a deal um, that we were not interested in taking just because inventories are so low. It wouldn't make sense for us to sell cars and lose money at this point in the game. Yeah, Anne Marie, uh, directly uh, uh, addressing your question, uh, rental cars are furnished by what the dealers call fleet sales. Fleet sales are directly from the manufacturer uh, to the um, uh, Hertz, Avis, National, Budget, all the different rental companies. And they're discounted way below what you as a retail buyer can buy the car for. So they, they really hurt the market for the car dealer who's trying to retail cars. Now, car dealers also can get involved in fleet sales, but they have to go through a special department because the manufacturers, as I say, will lower the price of the car if and you can kind of understand this. If Hertz is going to buy uh, 5,000 cars, they, they deserve a lower price. But the problem is these cars are dumped on the market after Hertz gets through with them. And Hertz and Avis and a lot of these dealers have learned uh, to retail those cars themselves. So they set, the, they set up a competition between the dealer and the rental companies. Dealers don't like fleet sales. Uh, the manufacturers that heavily resort to fleet sales are typically the ones that have excess manufacturing availability, I mean, uh, capacity. And that's not a good thing. They don't like to have excess. It's a, it's a raised fixed cost, a plant sitting there idle. So th they can crank these, crank these plants up, and they can sell the cars, even if they break even, uh, to budget rent a car, and that keeps the plant going. They don't have to close it down. Makes their stockholders happy, too. You know, when a manufacturer sells a car to a uh, fleet at a thousand dollars less than he sells it to a dealer, he's still making money. Manufacturers make far more money when they sell a car to a dealer or a fleet than the dealer makes when he sells a car to you. Now that's not a hundred percent true because if you don't do your homework and listen to Earl on cars, uh, you can play, pay a car dealer a huge profit, which is even more than he would make when he sold the car to Avis. So. Uh, if you do your homework, you can buy a car at a profit to the dealer much less than the manufacturer makes when he sold the car to the dealer. Yeah. And also, that's the reason they sell cars to fleet so cheap. Mm -hmm. Great information, Earl. Uh, <clears throat> if you uh, just tuned in, you're listening to Earl Stewart on Cars here. And uh, I want to take a moment and thank all of you for tuning in every Saturday morning. You are certainly an important part of the show, and we are going to start the morning off with the first caller, and that's uh, a first-time caller, female, and her name is Donna. Good morning, Donna. Good morning. And welcome. Thank you. Thank you for helping Pleasure. me build my platform. <laughs> if you uh, stay on the line, you can give the... Um, uh, control room your information and I'll get a $50 check out to you. What can we do for you this morning? Well, first of all, thank you for, for that, that offer, but it's uh, not the first time you've saved me money. I've been leasing cars now for, oh, this is my fourth car, 
and I saved money on leasing this one by listening to your show and Earl's um, with all the fees that are optional that that they make seem uh, <laughs> aren't optional. Right. But I'm at the tail end of this lease. I turned the car in this afternoon, as a matter of fact, and I'm flying out of the country tomorrow. Um, so my question is, uh, with the return fee, which I've never had to pay before because I rolled into another lease vehicle, um, am I stuck for that? Um, and uh, I've passed the inspection, so there's no, nothing there to, to go on. But uh, it's mostly any return fees they might try to uh, lay on me when I return the car and don't roll over into another lease. Don, I'm afraid so. Uh, that's one of the dirty little secrets about leasing is they have, you, they have a penalty. They, they call it a lease return fee. But basically it's a penalty if you don't release from the same manufacturer or buy another car. The only way you can get out of that is to buy another car. That's another reason the manufacturers and the dealers would always prefer to lease you a car. They make much more profit when they lease you a car than when you buy a car. So uh, you can still negotiate a good lease and you can still get a good payment uh, on a lease, but you are going to hit, you have an inception fee and a return fee that gets you going and coming. And they also have an administration fee, which is kind of like in the middle. And then they're going to hit you for uh, above average Norman, nor, above average normal wear and tear. And you have to be very careful when you turn your car on because they can really, if if you don't, uh, or if you aren't careful and do the inspection with them and find out what they are flagging you for above average normal wear and tear, you can get a bill for a thousand or two thousand dollars. That's not uncommon. Yeah, uh, right. Donna, this is Donna. This is Nancy, and uh, uh, Earl's right about that. Boy, I'll tell you what: when you turn your car in, pictures are worth a thousand words so you you really if you don't want to be hit with any well last minute uh fees or whatever you want to call them they got uh, they got names for them so uh take pictures of your car it's really important pictures before you are worth turn a thousand dollars pictures are worth a thousand dollars and more you know, seriously thousands of dollars yeah so little little pun on words there a thousand dollars or more Mm, goodness. Well, I have passed the dealer inspection. The inspector came out um, last week and cleared me. I have one uh, scratch, but aside, from, but it was under the limit. But um, at Good. this point, it's it's more about the turn-in fees, like you said, uh, that we could get slapped with. Well, that's that's unfortunate, and I'm glad you called because a lot of people aren't aware of that, and uh, uh, it it locks you in. If you buy or lease a Honda, if you lease a Honda and you change your mind and you want to buy a Chevrolet, uh, you have to pay a penalty for leaving Honda. And that's not right. And it's not disclosed up front. Uh, I promise you that the salesperson that leased you the car didn't tell you about it. But it's in the fine print. And uh, who reads a lease contract? Uh, nobody. And uh, that's how they get you. That's the, the, the way all the retailers, especially the car dealers, get away with what they do is they put anything they want in the fine print because nobody sees it. And you don't see it until at the end, after the transaction is completed and, and it's too late. You've already signed the paperwork. Right, that's right. And is there such a thing as a deposit from when we, we rented the very first car, which was now four cars ago, we put down a deposit, Security deposit. Um, or a for upfront fee sort of to pay in and lower down the monthly payment. Is there anything I can claim back on that? No. 
Well, if you if you it doesn't lower the deposit doesn't lower your monthly payment. Uh, well, I, th I think they might be confusing that the dealer makes it confusing. The down payment would, but there's a s separate security oh, deposit that's very yeah. rarely required in leases these days. Yeah. Did you give a security deposit? I, I don't. I don't think so. I think it was what you're saying now is a down payment. Yes. Yeah. You can check the contract if you have the paperwork. It'll list if there was a security deposit. They were common a long time ago, but in the last maybe 10, 15 years, I haven't seen many leasing companies require it. Okay. All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your help. I learn something from you every week and really enjoy listening and wish all the best to Nancy for her show because we women do get duped quite a lot uh, in this industry. So really appreciate your service to all of Donna, before you go, I have to mention that uh, I, I don't think that you're going to be taken advantage of in any form or way. Uh, kudos to you. Knowledge is power. Sounds like as if you've got a whole lot of it under your belt. And uh, I do have to mention this. Uh, we've been doing the show a long, long time, as you well know from listening. And you just said that you were under the limit when they saw that scratch. There isn't one caller, one person, anyone that's following us that I can remember has shared that information with me. Good for you, that little scratch. There's a lot of consumers out there that have tried to turn their car in, unbeknownst to them. They didn't take pictures. They didn't, you know, pay attention. And uh, they, you know, get, get a call back and they say, your car's scratched here, here, and here. So anyway, my compliments to you for, you know, being so savvy. And thank you so much for calling Earl Stewart on cars. My pleasure. Thanks to you all. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Okay, let's get back hey. to some text or anonymous feedbacks. Sure. Rick, you got any over there on YouTube? Actually, I do have one quick one. Um, Paul DeMore is asking, I want to check on a four-cylinder Camry. He says, what's the price range on the four-cylinder Camrys? Sounds like a perfect one for you, Stu. Can you repeat the question slowly? Uh, he's just asking, what is the price range on a four-cylinder Camry, I'm guessing a, a new uh, car. Okay, most of the Camrys are four-cylinder, um, and the they are the MSRP. To just give you a common thing, ranges around twenty-five up to close to forty thousand dollars, depending on the trim level of it. Um, most of them are in the upper twenties, maybe twenty-six, twenty-seven thousand uh, dollars. That's the transaction price somewhere around there. Okay. Okay. We can jump over. We have anonymous feedback, and we have text. I will get a text here. It's from. Brian. Uh, Brian says, oh gosh, it's a long Hi, Brian's from California. Thank you for the great advice from last week. Um, I told you guys about my 2018 Mustang GT that has excessive transmission whine in the first to third gear. I wanted to update and clarify a few things. When their lead master tech drove the car, I was in the passenger seat with him the entire time. He was able to create the noise over and over. I kept telling him that this isn't normal, and he kept telling me, he my appreciates my attention to detail, but the car is fine. He's driven hundreds of them. Most likely, as Rick said, they're trying to avoid opening up a can of worms on this thing until the car completely self-destructs. Rick recommended trying a different Ford dealer. I scheduled an appointment with the biggest dealership in California. A day before my appointment, they canceled me and said they don't have enough text to look at my car because of COVID. I then decided to talk with a very well-respected independent mechanic about it. They told me I had two options. One, sell the car, or two, drive it until the car completely breaks, then try to hold Ford accountable for it. 
They said, either way, you're in for a battle. It's frustrating because I still love the car and it drives fine, but it sounds wrong and I know it isn't right. It turns out they, they know this transmission is troubled. They came out with an updated one after my car was produced and will only give it to you if your transmission is completely destroyed. I have no idea what to do. Thanks as always for the show and for listening to my misfortune. And that's from Brian out in California. Yeah, Brian, yes, Brian what I advise you to do is uh, make it a point to go back to another Ford dealer. It doesn't have to be the largest one in California, but uh, yeah, you've probably got to check with at least, unless you get the right answer the first time, two or three other Ford dealers. Uh, mechanics are just like doctors, and uh, you got good ones. You know what they call a doctor who graduates last in his medical class? I know. What's that? Doctor. A doctor. And that's what they call a mechanic or a technician. Uh, they call a Ford technician, but the one that graduated last in his class is also called a Ford technician. So I would go to, even back to the dealership to get a different technician, although it would be preferable to go to a different car dealership, and then ask for somebody that's a, a certified, uh, this ASC certified, especially in transmissions. You're better off to get someone that's ASC, that's like an Apple Sam Echo, and it stands for? Automotive Service Excellence. Automotive Service Excellence. Find a technician at a Ford dealership that is qualified in transmissions, auto service excellence, and also in as many other, you have some that could be, or that are certified in everything, right, right? Yes. So, so that, a guy that's certified in everything, ASE, uh, he has done a lot of schooling, he's learned a lot, and he has to keep up. He has to go back every other year. Actually, uh, ASC has to be recertified every five years. Every five years. But depending upon the dealer uh, or the manufacturer, those certifications may have to be updated every year for, yeah. say, Toyota-specific or Ford-specific. Yeah. yeah. A, a, a technician has no reason to defend Ford and the mistakes they made. Yeah. And if they did design the car wrong, technician wants to fix the car because he gets paid a commission. So if you get a real smart technician and your car's out of warranty, he's gonna tell you what he can do to fix it because he gets paid for that. If he tells you it's normal, then he's not gonna get paid. So I think you should try two other dealers or at least two other technicians and be sure they're well qualified. I think you'll solve your problem. All right, okay. We'll jump over to some anonymous feedback. Uh, here's a simple question that we could probably talk about it all day, but what caused the used car market to go crazy this year? Hmm. Yeah, as supply and demand, I mean, if you've ever taken a course in economics, uh, whether you're selling uh, lawnmowers or television sets or cars, when you have more buyers than you have sellers or, or product, uh, the price soars. So uh, we have this unexpected, I think that's the big thing. When the pandemic hit at my dealership, uh, uh, we thought it was the end of the world. I told my comptroller in accounting, I said, how long can we survive? Because we figured we would just stop selling cars. Mm. And he did a forecast, he said, well, we can go another 12 months if you don't sell another car. Well, that made me feel better, so I relaxed. But we, all car dealers and manufacturers, figured it was all over. And then two months later, car dealers and manufacturers are having the best uh, profit months and volume months they have ever had. Caught everybody flat-footed. Manufacturers couldn't build them fast enough. The dealers couldn't order them and sell them fast enough. And therefore, there's a shortage of 
good used cars and good new cars. In fact, there's even a shortage of bad new cars and bad used cars. So uh, you're paying the price. You're paying more for every used car you buy, and you're paying a lot more for every new car you buy, and that's just the way it is. And the car dealers love it. Uh, now, the only thing I can advise you to do is just be sure you get the lowest high price out there because you're going to pay a good profit to any dealer. Don't pay a ridiculous profit because some of the dealers are using the shortage to make ridiculous profits. That's Great right. information. Similar things happening in the housing market. There's just not enough houses to sell if you've been paying attention to that, too. Yeah. It's going crazy. Well, I started to say the good news is your house is worth a lot more than it's ever been worth. Your <laughs> car is worth a lot more. So uh, if you have an extra car and, and it's sitting in the driveway and you're not using it, I'm not telling you to go out and buy another car. I'm telling you, put it up for sale. Take it to shop yeah. with three or four dealers. Go to Carvana. Go to uh, Vroom. Uh, go to CarMax. And you can get more money from that car. We've seen cases of mm. used cars selling for more money than the same new car. At yeah. MSRP. Yes. Yeah, uh, we're seeing it every day. Yes. It's what, crazy. What an amazing time. Did we ever think that we'd be sitting here having this conversation when the pandemic broke? I want to tell you what, there aren't as many people out there that are as lucky who owns a business. And I'll tell you that for uh, for that, we're, we're very, very grateful. Uh, do you have any more uh, texts, too? Oh, yeah, we got a whole bunch of them. Uh, jump over here is a cool one. I like these. It says, it's very exciting that Toyota is releasing the new 2022 BZ4X electric vehicle later this year. Indeed. Uh, my question is, does your dealership have electric charging stations? Will Toyota dealers be required to install these as more and more EVs come out? Um, we do. Um, we have six charge point stations. They're part of the National Charge Point Net Network, and uh, they're there for, uh, they're available to the public, and they will be used also as we start to get electric vehicles to sell. Um, I think it's okay right now, considering the anticipated volume, but um, in time, we're going to need to add more, and they're not cheap. <laughs> and uh, But yeah, uh, but manufacturers across the country will be requiring their dealers as, as they start making EVs, and it's just going to be um, uh, like a change uh, in, in the infrastructure at a dealership, so they're going to have to wire up their lots, and at some point, I would imagine they're going to have to have a charging station for nearly every car that they got in mm -hmm. stock, because they're going to have to sell these cars and to demonstrate them. So. Yeah, things are changing really quickly, and I'm personally pleased that Toyota finally got on, on the bandwagon. But, uh, yeah, we're ready for it. Rick's got a point. For those that don't know, the Toyota BZ is a joint venture with Subaru, mm -hmm. and it's going to be an electric sport utility vehicle. Mm -hmm. uh, not very big, but it's it's going to be pretty good size. It's going to look like and a RAV4. Will be, yep, and so. it'll be full electric, but it's going to be sold... Uh, both by Toyota and Subaru, just rebadged. Different name, yeah. But, yep, joint yeah. venture. Yeah, while, while we're talking yeah, about electric cars, I want to bring this up uh, in the current uh, weekly automotive news. That's the trade journal for every every car dealer reads it and every auto manufacturer reads it. Um, they uh, are offering customer incentives on certain cars they sell. And uh, you see incentives uh, from manufacturers that are having a hard time selling cars, which isn't very many these days, but they still have incentives. And of course, they have incentives on 2020s, uh, so they can clean those out and, and, and sell their 2021s. Uh, the thing that surprised me uh, is the Chevrolet Bolt. The Chevrolet Bolt, of course, is their electric car, one of the first uh, production electric cars General Motors had. Uh, and the Chevrolet Bolt, on their 2021 models, the brand new Bolt, 
has rebates, customer rebates up to $5,000. And you would say, why would they do that? I don't know. I mean, I know, I, I don't have all the answers, but we're talking electric is such a thing today. Tesla is being the hero and everybody's gonna make electric vehicles. Why does General Motors have to give the customer $5,000 to buy a 2021 Bolt. Now here's something even more surprising. Because no one wants to buy it. On the 2020 models, they're offering a, a rebate also. So it just doesn't make any sense to me why Chevrolet would be doing that. They're, they're offering 9,000, from 7,000 to 9,000 on the 2020 Bolt, and from 1,000 to 9,000 on the uh, 2020, 2021. So, interesting. Rick? It's an unattractive little car? Well, it is unattractive, but it's electric, so, you know. But and, it's ugly. And, and it's in the eyes of the holder. <laughs> uh, I, I, people probably, people out there that have Bolts that think they're pretty, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the, there were folks that liked the uh, Pontiac Aztec, too. So. Yeah, true. Walter White. Uh, Stu, I have a question for you. Are you and your family ready for an electric car? Yeah, uh, I, I actually, I'm going to try one out for a little bit. Um, we have a Tesla coming into used car inventory, and I'm going to see how, how it's like driving that. Yeah. yeah. With your family in the car, or you just? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and um, my my son. Actually, I drove my son's car today because um, we sold my car. Um, my son drives a Prius Prime, which is a plug-in hybrid. So it drives for, uh, I think, like 40 miles on all-electric mode at regular speeds, and then the, the hybrid kicks in. So mm -hmm. we're kind of dipping our toe and kind of you know, yeah. easing into it. And Jake the, you know, never yeah. has to put in gas in the car because he, he, drive, he drives relatively small distances, right. and he just he's, he's driving the car 100% electricity. Yeah, yeah, it says his, uh, his miles per gallon on there, and it's a 99.9. .9. Um, it only has one decimal point, so I imagine it's 99.99999. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great story. You know, there's a whole lot of people out there that aren't really interested in the electric uh, vehicle, so they're not yeah. interested. Well, we have a text their, here. Someone's listening. Yeah, they're listening to our conversation here. So one said, speaking of electric cars, um, I am sure you have read about the Tesla crash in the papers. Aside from the questions about the safety of self-driving cars, how did that car that crashed catch fire and burn? I thought they had no gas. And that's from Gerard. He's up in the villages. I think that until the investigative team uh, completes their whole background check on this, you know, I think there are a lot of people that will want to jump to a conclusion. Actually, it was a battery. The battery, a lithium battery, is what burned. Exactly. And, and that's what caused it, the car to be totally destroyed. It Rick? took about 32,000 gallons of water to put yeah. that uh, that battery that, out. But these, pe these first responders were not... Yeah. You know, they weren't privy to the situation yes, as to what to do. They even were calling uh, Tesla no, to find out, you know, I, how to put that fire out because it was it burned for four hours. And on the first week in May, I'm actually going to be doing training with the Tequesta Fire Department for hybrids and electric vehicles. Great. So it's it's interesting that this occurred in such timing. Um, I've been doing a huge amount of research on this. Uh, the, what happens is the lithium battery catches fire because of short circuits and then it creates a cascade effect. The reason that they had to use a massive amount of water, which they did not use 30,000 gallons, it was actually closer to about 10,000 gallons. Um, that fire department actually 
had information in advance. They, they knew how to handle the situation. They did not contact Tesla. They did, because actually Tesla has out um, a program where you can access on their website information on exactly for first responders how to handle these cars in a fire situation. And basically what they're doing is they've got to cool the battery unit because it's all contained. So in order to put that fire out and stop it, they had to use massive amounts of water to flood it and cool it down to the point that it could not continue that chain reaction fire inside the battery unit. Yeah. It's like so a that, nuclear meltdown. They're, exactly. <laughs> they're, it's, a very, it's actually a very complex situation and it requires a lot of time because one of the requirements is that the first responders have to be sure that that car is air temperature throughout the entire battery system for over 45 minutes before they're allowed to release it to the tow truck companies that are gonna take that car to a tow yard. And even then, the vehicle has to be isolated away from other vehicles and any flammable source. Yeah, let me say one more thing. Just in case has a problem. Let's say one more thing, and let's cut this short because this is a, a long, yeah, long it's, conversation. It's a narrow uh, project. Elon Musk said that the, the driver was not in the driver's seat, and I believe him. And so I think the whole thing here is that uh, I had no, no, they have no evidence that the driver was not in the driver's seat, is what they said. So it's, it's a whole lot of stuff that has to come out about this. And let's move on. Yeah, that special investigation uh, by that team is uh, really important. We'll watch for that at 877-960-9960. Or you can text us at 772 Four nine seven six five three zero. We're going to go back to the phones where we have John from Palm City. Good morning, John. Good morning to everyone. I want to read the headlines. Today's paper, very serious problem. Right on the headlines today, ship shortage creates chaos for car makers. Auto production cuts hamper recovery. Now, this is so serious. These are the semi semiconductors. They control a lot of things like fuel injection, cruise control, tire pressure. It's a major shortage. It's so bad that in February, General Motors closed completely their Kansas City plant because of the shortage. Uh, this is going out throughout the world, and unfortunately, some of the car makers like Mercedes and Porsche are stacking up on them, and they're concentrating just to use this supplies on the top models that they're concentrating on that because they make more money on it but it's definitely a, a hardship and it's a problem on new car uh, availability so it's it's very serious serious enough like I say to put it in today's paper right at headlines and I don't think it's going to get any better um, it, it's it's uh, making supply shortage so I just want to point that out, and um, dealers are going to be hurting from it. They probably are already. Yeah, all semiconductor all products nationwide. Yeah, all products, not just automobiles. Uh, refrigerators cost more money. Uh, telephones cost more money. Uh, toasters cost more money. Everything's got a chip in it, and uh, today, so uh, the, the, sh the shortage of microchips is going to affect prices. You know, if I were worried and I were an economist, I'd be talking inflation because it's going to flex supply and demand. It's going to lower the supply 
Uh, demand will continue to stay high, and the prices are going to raise until supply equals demand, and then you have inflation. Well, unfortunately, a lot of these semiconductors, like you mentioned refrigerators, the semiconductors are being concentrated on items that they sell, like cell phones. So they're getting priority to other electronics other than the automobile. One other further thing, about two weeks ago, a question, somebody called in and asked them about their battery in the Toyota uh, Camry. Well, it's very easy to solve that problem. Uh, if you go to Walmart, Walmart sells an Everstart battery that's made by the biggest company, Johnson Control Company, which, by the way, makes the battery for Toyota. So they have plenty in stock for all models, all cars, and especially the different models of Camry, and it's available, and they'll install the battery at no charge for you. Oh. You buy the battery, and they, they have three different types. Naturally, you want to buy the best one. I think it's five years or more on warranty, and after three years, it's a full warranty with no questions asked. What do they charge you, John? I want to mention that there's no shortage. Uh, any Walmart store, and it's an Everstart battery, and they make it for all cars and all models, and it is produced by Johnson Control Company, which makes it for the menu, many manufacturers. How much does it cost? Uh, they're around $100, uh -huh. $125, depending. Like I say, there's three different grades. You can buy one low one as without the good warranty on it, I think for about 69 or $70. I didn't know that Walmart did installations free on batteries. That's yes. good information. Yes, no charge. Thank and you very much, Everstart. When you do it yourself, you have to reset all the electronics, so they take care of all of that when they're putting it in. That's great. Great, yeah. You could probably uh, buy it online and then bring your car in and have them put it in for you. What a great way to buy a battery. Absolutely, and it is made by the big company, uh, Johnson Control. Johnson Control, the biggest, yeah. And makes it for many of the manufacturers. Well, I tell you what, I love your calls, John. You always give us a very valuable information. I can't thank you enough for being a regular caller. Well, that was thank great. Thank you, thank you. Look forward to the shopping again. Thank you. Give us a call again, Have John. All right, we got a text in from Jonathan. Uh, says, uh, good morning. It seems that thanks to COVID, the price of everything has gone up. I've noted this when grocery shopping and dining out. Um, has the retail price of cars gone up as well? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. See, the retail price of cars is what the dealer can get. It's not, MSRP is, uh, was a great idea. In 1958, they passed that law about the Monroney label, but the dealers are ignoring it. So the MSRPs might not be changing, but the effective selling price is soaring. And the dealers call it their gross profit. Uh, and that is how much they sell the car for over their true cost. And, uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it hasn't doubled, Stu. I think, I think that for a lot of uh, dealers, uh, on the average, the average margin, the gross profit, is probably doubled. Oh, easily. Um, I can say in Toyotas, even though Toyota has restrictions on what the, their dealers can advertise, the transaction price uh, was conducted. And we, we've said invoice is a BS term, but I'm just using it as a reference point. Uh, transaction price was well below um, invoice. Um, that still, deals were making money, uh, but now the transaction price has probably swung around to an equal 
amount over invoice. So it's, it's, I would say easily that percentage of margin is doubled. And the difficulty with dealers have, because some manufacturers, a lot of manufacturers, will not allow the dealers to advertise the price of a car below invoice. And now with the high supply, low demand, uh, whereas like about half the cars used to be sold below invoice, yeah. as you heard Stu just say, practically no cars. Yeah, we can advertise, and most dealers can advertise over invoice now, which was weird last yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, we're going to go back to the phones and uh, where we have, well, first let me mention I have $50 uh, for the uh, next female caller. Uh, give us a call. Take advantage of it. You win yourself if you $50. Haven't called, if you haven't if called you the show are, before. Uh, if you are a first-time caller, uh, please, ladies, help me support the platform uh, that you so look forward to. Uh, 877-960-9960. That's $50 for the first new lady caller. And as you heard earlier, we have had a female caller. So don't let that $50 go to waste. Put that right in your pocket. Give us a call. Voice your opinion. 877-960-9960. Now we're going to go to Howard, who's uh, calling us from Jupiter. He's a regular caller. Good morning, Howard. Good morning. How's everything with you guys there? Perfect. Good. Good. Okay. <clears throat> I disagree with John this time. I usually don't, but... Um, I think you should uh, go to consumers' reports and check the batteries first before you go to, go to Walmart and have it installed. Also, yes. Toyota it gives you a seven-year warranty instead of a five-year warranty if you buy the battery from Toyota. I'm not saying that you should, but I want you to know all the uh, information. So uh, that's that's just what, all I have to say today. Yeah, you're uh, right, Howard. Batteries. Definitely, they really break it down in consumer report on the batteries. And one thing. One thing about battery warranties that everybody probably knows, but I'll repeat it just in case some don't, the battery war warranty only reimburses you for the remaining life. So if you have a seven-year warranty on a battery and the, war and the battery is six years old, you're only going to get one-seventh of the value of that uh, battery toward the purchase of a, another battery. So it, it's, it sounds better than it really is. Uh, it's on the unused portion of your battery that you get reimbursed if it fails okay great okay thank you very much and have a nice day thank you Howard. see you next week thank you thank you howard 877-960-9960 or you can text us at 772-497-6530 okay we got a text here there's no name on it, it says i was told by my private mechanic that i needed to change my timing belt he said that while he was working in that location, he should change out the water pump. I asked if there was something wrong with it, and he said no. It just made sense to do it because he would have to basically disassemble the motor to reach that area, and it would be very expensive to have to go back in there to fix it when it does actually go. First question, is this true? Second question, why does Honda make an engine that requires so much disassembly to fix such an important component? Sounds like a Rick question to me. Most cars with timing belts, the timing belt runs the water pump. It's one of the components in there. Water pumps, well, they do fail. Um, most of the time when we're recommending a timing belt replacement, we would recommend the water pump at the same time. 
However, now most of our Toyotas have gone to a timing chain and the water pump is external and it's not run by that chain system. So Honda, of course, some of theirs, they still run a belt. And because the water pumps do wear out, yeah, it's, that's actually not a bad idea to at least give a really, really close inspection on it. And if it's an older pump, it might be worthwhile to go ahead and invest having it replaced because it's only the cost of the part at that point. There's really not a lot of additional labor to replace it. And you need to be it. thinking about how long you're going to keep the car, too. If you're going to keep the car for a long time, then Rick is right. It, eventually, you're going to have to replace the water pump, and it would cost you a lot less to do it at the same time. But you're going to be trading that car in a year, and your water pump looks good. Or even if you're going to trade the car in two years, and your water pump looks good, you probably uh, don't have to have it replaced. Let the next guy that buys your trade-in worry about it. Yep. Okay, great. Uh, let's see here. Let's see anonymous feedback. And uh, here's, a, here's one. Why are you still wearing masks in the studio? Oh, I just, uh, Sue doesn't even know this because he got here late. We have a special announcement. Next Saturday, we're going to be maskless. Jonathan's getting his second vaccination, and uh, Jonathan's about 20 feet away from the rest of us anyway. And so Saturday will be the first maskless day for Erlon cars this coming Saturday, and how long it's been? Since April or March of last year. Yeah. yeah, and let me tell you, I don't know whether you care or not, but it, these masks are terrible. I mean, I, I mean, you mean we're going to have to start smiling now? I'm so, yeah, I'm so looking forward to it. We're all going to be sitting here, and you're going to see a, uh, at least one very ugly person, that's me, and then a beautiful person, that's Nancy, and the rest of them, they're all right. We're in, the, we're in between. Yeah. Right. Well, Jonathan's going to have to put like a big blob of Vaseline on all the cameras now. You know, to... Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. We'll have that. I'm sorry. Like... I can't wait till next Saturday. Yeah. I know. I'll have to trim my beard for the first time. It's actually coiled around inside my mask. I haven't taken it oh. out. This, hey, this get gross. your together. <laughs> sorry. And that's no shenanigans, Jonathan. And to answer the yep. question, let me, let me address the question. Why do we wear the mask? Uh, Nancy and I were uh, vaccinated. We got both our va vaccinations months ago. And uh, we wore the mask anyway, not to protect us, but to protect the others. When you have the vaccination, you're not going to get COVID, but you can transmit COVID. A lot of people don't understand that. So if you've had your vaccination and you're going out to Publix or Costco, you want to wear your mask anyway. The only reason we're not going to wear our mask next Saturday is because everybody in here will be vaccinated. I had dinner with some friends, uh, lunch with some friends, uh, for the first time about a month ago, and every one of us was vaccinated, and we went to lunch together and felt comfortable without masks. So that's the reason. Yeah, lucky you. All right. 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. I really hope that we answered your question about that mask that you uh, sent in. As there's a whole lot of people that are asking the same question, but there are more people, I'd say, in publics that have a mask on, aren't even allowed in the store if they don't have one on. Okie dokie. All right, anonymous feedback. Um, on, on your mystery shop of Lexus of Palm Beach, I'm always leery of automation dealerships. Their fees are ridiculous, and I can always easily beat their deals. I don't know how they are number one in the nation. AutoNation, uh, you're very, very astute of you about AutoNation. Their new car prices are deliberately, they, they, they were deliberately higher before the pandemic. 
and now they're even higher. So uh, AutoNation decided not to try to compete uh, vigorously on new car sales and to instead uh, lower their prices. Well, they're, they're competing, but they're lowering their prices and accepting the lower amount of sales. So all around the country, relatively speaking, AutoNation stores didn't sell as many new cars. They had to lower the prices. Uh, and they don't care about the profit because they're making it in the finance department. And they focused on the finance department, and they're making $2,000 on the average for every car. That's an average because sometimes they don't finance the car, but every new car an automation dealership sells, they're making $2,000 in finance. That's more money than anybody else. The new car profit is something else. You can get a good price, relatively good price, on a car in an automation dealership on the, on the car itself. But stay out of the finance department, use your own bank or credit union, because that's where they're making the home runs. Okay. Let's see. I have a brake. This is anonymous feedback. I have a brake squeal on a 2021 Forerunner with only 900 miles now. I'm guessing there's that's a new problem that many new Toyota owners are experiencing. I'm going to go to Rick because I haven't heard about that. I haven't heard of any real uh, a lot of reports Google of it. Still. Rick squeal 2021 Forerunner. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we do know, especially here in South Florida is brakes overnight will get a light layer of rust on the rotors. It's just because of the material that's used. So sometimes you'll hear some noise the first couple times you step on the brakes in the morning. That part is normal. But if you've got a squeal that's continuing throughout the day, then that's definitely something you're going to want to have inspected by your dealership. And obviously that's covered under warranty for the first three years, 36,000 miles. Remember, that also depends on where you live in Florida. You, if you live in the middle of the state, less, less frequently they have that problem. If you live near on the ocean, uh, our dealership is uh, very near the ocean. We have yep. a lot of customers that live in condominiums on the ocean, uh, directly on the ocean, park their cars in the garages, and it is very common if you're near the salt air living on the ocean that you'll get rust on everything, including your brake rotors. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, there are some cars that when they come in, we can tell which side faces the ocean. Yes. Depending because of the amount of rust on one side versus the other. I'm seeing a, a smattering of, uh, of posts on various forums. Uh, no consistent year. Um, I searched brake squealing noise, 2021 Forerunner. I saw some on some 2020s, 2017, just yeah. a few things. There doesn't seem to be a lot or any kind of be scattered. So yeah. it, it seems like brake noises, a lot of the times, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm putting this back onto the owner, but a lot of the times it's things like places that you drive, like if you're out in the acreage or Loxahatchee on dirty roads, dust or sand can get in on the pads and that will make a little bit of noise. It's not a safety issue. It just makes them a bit noisier at times. Yeah. Okay, let's jump over to another text. Um, it says, I bought a new Explorer three days ago. I noticed that I had, an almost, I had an almost flat tire yesterday morning, and so I drove it to the dealership before it went flat. That's a pretty risky move there. Oh, yeah. um, they found a screw in the sidewall. They said I needed a new tire. I protested uh, because I just bought it. I disagree with them that they said that just because I recently bought it, I had the same chance of getting a flat as if I had driven it for years. Um, I disagree. The math is simple. A flat 
in three days is very high odds because of less days, right? There is a higher chance of getting a nail in your tire the newer the car. Who can I speak to about getting satisfaction? Well, it's a, you know, it's a judgment call, and uh, uh, I think a good dealer would give you the benefit of the doubt because, as you say, there's a distinct possibility that that screw could have been there for a while uh, or maybe just, just before you took delivery. Uh, chances are it wasn't there, but uh, who cares? If there's a 20% chance the dealer's guilty, they should step up and take care of it because then they have a happy customer, you'll buy another car from them, and you'll tell all of your friends um, what they did, the right thing. So it's a, it's a judgment call by the dealer, and uh, I think you should go to the top guy. You should go to the owner of the dealership or the general manager and be courteous and respectful and explain your situation. Right. Say, yeah, it could have been in there when I bought it, but it might not have been. And what if it was? Right. Maybe, they, maybe they'll compromise with you and split the cost of the tire, yeah, which I, is better than nothing. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't press ahead with the argument the, about the probability. Um, I would just say, as your your experience as a new owner of a brand new Explorer was just terrible because right away, and I think just a, some sympathy and just a little concern for your experience um, that that they should work with you. Yeah. They don't have to, but they yeah. should. Dealers have a uh, column on their financial statements. It's called policy adjustment. A policy adjustment is a counting term for doing free work to keep somebody happy when you don't owe it to them. In other words, it's not covered under warranty, it's, uh, it's not your fault, you didn't make a mistake, but policy, and uh, every, a good dealer spends a lot of money on policy because a good dealer will realize it doesn't make any difference whether the customer's right or wrong. If the customer believes she's right, you'd better take care of her because if you don't, she's gonna tell everybody she knows that she got screwed by you. And how many cars will not, not be bought yeah. because of saving $100 or $200 on policy adjustment? You might have sold three more cars as a result of doing the thing you didn't have to do. That's right. And also, yeah. just to remind you that if you bought a Ford Explorer, a big SUV, three days ago, I promise you that the dealership <laughs> made a healthy profit on that sale. And um, I, I'm going to guess on a vehicle like that, the wheels are maybe $200 a piece, right? Something like that. Let's say two fifty. Yeah. Uh, probably around one hundred and eighty to two hundred dollars okay. for a tire. Okay. So they're, they're, it's the dealer cost. It ain't cheap, yeah. but um, but the dealer could definitely afford to to flip you back a, a couple of hundred bucks to make you happy. Yeah. You know, it's amazing how advertisement goes. Um, <laughs> word of mouth. Wow, powerful. Uh, ladies, I have uh, fifty dollars here for the first uh, and second new lady caller. Um, anything at all if you want to share it with us how your uh, transaction went or didn't go uh, this weekend uh, maybe a, a question what is the most um, uh, well comfort does that come into play um, as you know for the second or the, for the first choice uh, give me a call let me know uh, how everything went with you 877-960-9960 and you can text us at 772-497-6530 okay <clears throat> i can jump over to a text here um that's one for rick specifically it's from joy from joe in boynton he says rick i have continental tires wearing out early uh treadwear numbers treadwear number 500 and the tires only have 24,000 miles. Is there a warranty on, on this product? Thanks. 
You'd have to check with the place where you bought the tires. Um, unless these are the first set of tires on your brand new car, which I will give one little caveat there. The tire manufacturers make special tires for brand new cars to go on the original set. And they're a softer compound tire so that when you get in that brand new car, they ride nice and soft and smooth. And then when you go to replace them, the new tires are of course the regular compound that is meant to be a lot longer lasting. So 24,000 miles on the original set of tires may be a very reasonable amount, but if they've already been replaced once and they're wearing out that fast, I would talk to the place where you bought them and see if there is a, a tread wear warranty and pursue it from that direction. And it's rare to have a tread wear warranty and, and also your, uh, tread, your tread wear depends on your driving habits. Uh, you take 10 people and give them the exact same car, exact same set of tires, and you will have different tread wear on all 10 people. Everybody uh, drives in different places over different roads. They brake or don't brake. They ride faster, they don't ride faster. They take corners fast or they don't take corners fast. It's, it's a very, it's a very, very variable. We, we see it all the time. And uh, some people get an extraordinary number of miles on a set of tires, and another person will get half that. Just depending on the way they drive the car. Okay. Uh, next question it came in here. It's on anonymous feedback. Oh, it wants to log me out. Here we go. Um, what is the invoice on a new uh, RAV4 hybrid? Would $500 below invoice be a good deal? Um, well, there's different models. The most popular one's probably an XLE, and invoice on an XLE uh, well, it's got an MSRP of about 31.5. Invoice is about 30,600. That doesn't mean that's the cost. There's about $2,500, uh, $3,000 of profit built in there. Uh, so the invoices say 30,600. Um, 500 below invoice uh, would be an amazing deal. Now, um, waiting six months down the road, it might be a, a common deal. The profit to the dealer would be about $2,500. Right. Which uh, is which is uh, for normal times would be a good profit. And as Stu says, because of supply and demand, it would be a very good deal today. You can't buy a new RAV4 hybrid. Right, uh, we're, for the, we're currently 300 over invoice on RAV4 hybrids right now. Yeah, and that's a good price. Right, it's a very good price, and if we uh, lowered it, we would sell out of RAV4s instantly, and then we couldn't sell any more cars. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's kind of like the, the economic forces of supply and demand. I mean, on an individual dealership's point of view, it's a huge advantage, but you really can't fight it. I mean, if you yeah. did, you would you couldn't replace your cars. And it takes me it takes us back to my my axiom, my rule, my don't try to buy a car from one dealer based on the discount from MSRP or invoice or anything else. The only way you're going to get the lowest price in your marketplace is to take that same car and go to three or four different dealerships and also check Costco, also check AutoNation. If you have an American Express card, uh, you get a special deal. If you have Costco members, sometimes you get a special deal. You have to work outside. You can't take any specific formula on invoice or MSRP. As long as you're dealing with the same dealer, he can make be making a ton of money, but the discount sounds good. I just read off some incentives here uh, that all dealers are getting. Uh, customers are getting too. So uh, when you take dealer cash, customer cash, and normal markups and holdbacks, 
Uh, you can be looking ten, twelve thousand dollars marked over MSRP, and the guy can say, "I'll give you an eight thousand dollar discount from MSRP," and he's still making four thousand dollars, which is a lot of money to make on a new car today. Hmm. I think Rick's got a YouTube. Let's go to Rick. You know, I think we're we're going to have to go to we're going to have to oh, go phones. to the phones first. Yeah, um, priority phones. We have a caller from Boynton Beach, and that's a Moshear. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Terrific. How are you guys? Fine. Thank you. Good, good, good. It's the first time I'm calling, and uh, actually I uh, emailed uh, Earl yesterday, and he he told me about uh, uh, your program and so forth. So I'm I'm very happy to be, and I've been listening since 8 o'clock, which usually I don't do. Oh, thank you for joining us. my problem? Thank you for having your program. Oh, thank you very much for listening. I really, uh, I remember our conversation. What was your name? Moshe, M-O-S-H-E. Oh, Moshe, yeah, right, sure, I got your email. Uh, I really uh, yes, sir. I enjoyed our dialogue. Uh, uh, t- tell me what's on your mind, Moshe. Okay, here is my story. Uh, I, it's the first time that I've leased a car. I, it, it's due to come back to the dealer, uh, which is Schumacher. It's a Jeep Cherokee, uh, 2019. Uh, uh, the lease is due to be uh, over in October 21 of this year. Right. Now, uh, being that we are snowbirds, uh, uh, and we are going back on May 21, and we were going to go till October sometimes, I figured, why have the car sit in the garage, pay my monthly fee and insurance on the car, even though I can probably get a reduction? Sure. Why not try to uh, either sell it or return it early or get rid of it early? And I am not ready to give it back and take another car lease because I'm not going to be here till October. So uh, reading uh, uh, YouTube and different gurus like yourself, trying to educate myself, uh, the suggestion came up that I should uh, try to do a buyout from the bank, Ally Bank, which right. is the f- financial institution, uh-huh. and uh, I should take this car, to buy it from Ally, and then maybe I can sell it to uh, CarMax or... Uh, room or one of these guys that you, you know, we buy any car, and uh, either come out ahead, you know, even, or come out ahead, someone was suggested, but, and one, one guy even came out and said, you can, on YouTube said, you can even negotiate with Ally, and uh, whatever price they determined uh, was going to be the, uh, the residual price, you can maybe knock it down. So, to my surprise, uh, when I first called Ally, a uh, girl came out on the, on the phone, and she said, oh, you live in Florida. Oh, we cannot disclose you any prices. I said, what do you mean you can't disclose me any prices? Uh, you lent me the money. I'm paying you monthly. I'm, go to the dealers. I went to the Schumacher, and I'm talking to the guys, very nice, and they said, oh, no, you don't talk to us. We are just the middleman. We are the matchmaker. It's you and the bank. The bank owns the car. Go back to the bank. I said, they told me to come. No, 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 go back to the bank. Call the bank the second time. Another girl comes on. Oh, you live in Florida. We cannot deal with you directly. You have to go through the dealer. I said, what? It's a Florida law. I said, I hung up, and I, you know, I, I'm getting a little steam in my, coming out of my ears, but I best shut up. I learned that from my wife long ago. <laughs> well, <Moshe>. so I, called, <laughs> I called back the third time yesterday. I'm almost finished with my story. Bear with me, please, because this <laughs> might be useful for other Florida clients. So I uh, called back the third time. Same thing, another girl. I said, wait a minute. I said, I know you, 
I know, what's your name? Julia. Julia, you sound very nice. I know that you did not write the law. But tell me, does it make sense I should go back to the dealer if I'm dealing with you? Sorry, it's a state law. I said, what is the law? You can't tell me anything? <laughs> she says, the, the state law is that we cannot, re we cannot, you cannot buy out the car from us. The dealer must buy it for you. I said, so what are you suggesting? She says, go to the dealer, have the dealer call us, and then the dealer will tell you. I, I said, that's a setup. In other words, I'm going to sit in the dealer's office. He's going to pick up the phone, call you, ally, and he's holding the phone, and you're going to tell him, oh, the buyout is 21000 and he's going to turn to me and he's going to say, oh, it's 25000 because he wants to put 4000 in his pocket. This is a setup. Well, Moshe, a great, that's a great story, and that's the reason I asked you to call the show this morning. And uh, this is uh, something uh, that I haven't covered on the show adequately, and you also asked, uh, we, talk, we talked about uh, some other issues too, which is uh, you, the dealer can also, he's going to charge you a hidden fee. He's going to charge you hidden fees on top of the residual value. Now, what, you, what the dealer hasn't told you, and I, I haven't mentioned to you, is there is a residual value on your lease contract. So if you will look at your lease contract, the price I don't have it. Well, they have to give you a copy of it by law. You need to tell the dealer uh, you need a copy of the contract. You could also tell Ally to send you a copy of the contract. They both have copies, and by law, they have to give you that. They will tell you what your residual value is, and that's a locked-in price. Now, they're also going to charge you a disposition fee, and that's in, that is in the contract, too. It could be uh, $500 or $700 and that order of magnitude, they're going to charge you that disposition fee on top of the residual value, which is stupid and shouldn't be, but it's one of these things that we're, it's a gotcha, a fine print gotcha. The, the nasty part about this, Moshe, is the fact that the dealer can charge anything he wants to you and call it a dealer fee. Florida allows him to charge, if he wanted to charge you $500 for a dealer fee or $5,000 for a dealer fee, yep. that is legal in Florida. And he can add that. The only thing you have control over at this point, and this is what I want all of our listeners to understand, when you have to exercise your option to purchase your lease car at the residual value that's on your contract, you'll find out very quickly if it's a good deal or a not bad deal. And today's market with retail prices of used cars soaring is a high likelihood this could be a very good deal for you. And therefore, you'll find out what it is. Take the car at the residual value and shop other, uh, you said uh, Schumacher, is this a, uh, what make car is it? Jeep Cherokee. Jeep, okay. 2019 well, Jeep Cherokee. Yeah, go to two or three other, uh, Napleton and a couple of other dealers, and find uh, find a Jeep dealer somewhere. You got, uh, you've got you uh, got Rego as another uh, Jeep dealer. Uh, try to find three or three or as many as you can as you have time for, and find out the one that will charge you the lowest dealer fee, hidden fee. Uh, and that's the only way you're going to save money. You're going to you're going to have to pay the dis disposition fee because that goes to Ally, and I'm surprised they didn't mention that. And the the point about Florida law is uh, really makes me angry because 
Other states don't have that. In Florida, the auto dealers associations and the dealers have lobbied the Florida legislature, making changing the law, saying that the dealer is acting as if it was his car and he's selling it to you, when in fact the car belongs to Ally. So it's an artificial uh, thing lobbied in because the dealers get the attorney general and the state senators and congressmen elected, and their and their political action committees lobbied this law in to screw customers, and that's what's happening. Now, having heard what you said, may I ask about the following scenario to avert these hidden fees possibly? Okay. This is what I'm thinking, and please advise me. What if instead of going back to the dealer and having the dealer buy the car for me from Ally, which is what they told me is the Florida law, what if instead I go tomorrow or whenever to, to CarMax or to Vroom, and I say to them, listen, you are a dealer. Ally told me I can go to any dealer and have any dealer buy the car for me. doesn't have to be Schumacher or uh, whoever you said. How about you, Mr. CarMax? You arrange the buyout for me today or at the time of the termination of the disposition. Either way, you are the dealer. You arrange it for me, and I will sell it to you. Uh, Moshe, I think, I, I think if Ally told you you could take it to CarMax or a non-Jeep dealer, I think they, yes, they, they were mistaken. Uh, you probably have to take it uh, to a franchise Jeep dealer in Florida. Uh, uh, if if they if they allow you to, that would be major breaking they, news. They might. I was thinking it's not a captive lender. It's not like Southeast Toyota Finance, for example, is going to tell you to take it to a Toyota dealership. Yeah. Maybe Ally, since it's independent, they don't care as long as they get paid for it. Moshe, if you, that is going to be the biggest news on this show in a long time. If uh, I'm dying to find out, do exactly what you suggest. Go to CarMax and see what they say. I'd love to hear about that ASAP. And I will be happy to tell you what happened, too. Fantastic. Wow, now, I, I love this show. That would be really cool if it did, yeah. yeah. Right. I have a question about sales tax. Guys, sales tax. I was told that if I buy the car out, whether at the, at the disposition at the end or tomorrow, whichever, at the time that I will buy the car, I, as the buyer, will have to pay a 7% sales tax. That's true. I that's, am told. That's true, yeah. On top of... Yeah. these hidden fees. And my question, if I go to CarMax, which is what I was suggesting, and I buy the car and sell it on the same day, do I still have to pay sales tax? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the State Department, the Department of Motor Vehicles would catch you on that. They, they track the uh, transactions carefully, and yeah. you're not going to get away with not paying your sales tax in Florida. <laughs> yeah. yeah, CarMax doesn't so, want be, won't be, want to be on the hook either. I purchased just because I purchased the car and sold it to CarMax five minutes later, the fact that I did the purchase, I got to pay the seven percent tax. Is that right? Yeah, they, they they get you on that. I'm, I, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I would say you Last can try, question. but uh, yeah. you won't get Last away with it. Because originally you didn't pay sales tax on the whole car; it was just on the total of the payments or whatever down payment you. Paid. And in this great conversation, you got my uh, thinking going. Uh, I thought about. I wonder what would happen if you called a dealer out of state. Uh, a Jeep dealer. So, assuming you can't sell it to CarMax, I sure hope you can. But if it has to be a Jeep dealer, you could call a dealer out of state and uh, and maybe work something with them. Uh, maybe that's not a good idea. Uh, let's hear about CarMax. I have one. I have. 
Guys, I have one last question, but if time does not allow, we'll say goodbye and I'll call some other time. Okay, time now listen, listen, you're the best caller we've had in, yeah. in two months. Let's hear your other question. Wonderful. My question is as follows. When I first heard about this disposition fee, what you said, which is the, the hidden fee, uh, I started listening again, you to blah, 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 blah. Turns out that you said, it, yeah, it's, it's a manufactured kind of a fee. That basically what I read is it to, really to cover the cost of the dealership to prepare the car to put it on the used no. car sales lot. No. That yes. angered me no. immensely. Why? Because just because I'm returning the car to the dealer and he has to prepare it, yeah. I hmm. have to cover that cost. But that's not even true. The, the, that fee goes to Ally. So Ally, that disposition fee goes to so the So now here is yeah. my other question. Being that they said that if you take another lease immediately, they can waive the fee. Right. So yeah. my question is, if, it's, if this is a waivable fee, means it's, like you said, it's a manufactured fee that they invented. Yes. To stick it to you. What happens if I say, I'm sorry, I don't want to pay this. this is They'll send you the collections. I'm not paying this fee. <laughs> They'll send you the collections that's in your contract. With Ally. Yeah, Moshe, all, all, was, was you hit on one of the. Writing, they have the legal right to charge me for that? They do. I, you know, I, I, if I had more time, I'd go hire a lawyer and try a class action suit. There's so many things that are lobbied into Florida law that are not legal. They, the, the lawmakers are making laws that should not be legal. This, uh, the, the court should overturn them. But a class action suit, if you got a good enough lawyer, and my theory, theory is uh, you, could, you could hit the manufacturers for a huge amount of money and the dealers, and uh, it would really be uh, an amazing, but you need a good lawyer. And it's hard to find somebody that will take that on contingency. Well, I'll tell you something. If you three guys want to get started, I'm the fourth on the class. I'm a, I got your contact information, Moshe, and you, you sound like my kind of guy. Thank you so, well, so much. Well, please call. Hey, I, I have an invitation for you. Why don't you sign up for Earl's Vigilantes? I, you, you're gonna, I'm going to sign you up whether you uh, want to or not. You're I mean, a vigilante. You, you I'm going to send you a hat. Sign me up. <laughs> you're definitely sign me up. an asset. <laughs> Thanks very much, Roger. Thanks for the call. You better call next week or I'll come looking for you. Yeah. You, we'll do that, man. Bye-bye. 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 Give us a call again, please. Stay in touch. Uh, we are going to go back to uh, YouTube. We do have uh, one or two here. Um, Paul is asking... Uh, how long till the market stabilizes so it would be a good time to buy a new car at a normal price? Well, I can tell you that the semiconductor shortage, they don't expect it letting up uh, for most manufacturers until well until next year. Um, some manufacturers are faring a little bit better. Uh, don't want to plug Toyota too much. Toyota anticipates uh, this. People will feel, will feel this through the summer, and then it will get better. Um, but most manufacturers have forecasted um, difficulties in production into well into 2022, so it's going to be with us for a while. Yeah, I think uh, not having a crystal ball, I don't know how long it's going to be. But as Stu said, uh, uh, because microchips are used in everything, everything built today has got a microchip in it, and uh, world demand is going to be soaring. And remember, it's not a U.S. thing, it's a world uh, thing. And, yeah. 
and uh, the, the different countries around the world all competing for microchips, different manufacturers competing for microchips, and uh, all that competition and demand just means inflation and higher prices, and you're caught in the middle. The only thing you do, you're going to pay a high price for a car, uh, you just have to pay the lowest high price you can get, yeah. but you're not going to steal a car today. If you buy a car, that dealer will make a profit. Yeah. And I, I've got a story that I would like to just kind of do a quick report on because this has not made it in any of the major news sources, and it should be. January 9 of this year, a gentleman in South Carolina was driving a 2002 Honda. He was involved in an accident. The airbag went off. He received injuries to the lower side of his face, which turned fatal. The NHTSA investigated this accident and has determined, just yesterday it was reported on jalopnik.com and I verified this, the NHTSA has determined that the airbag inflator produced by Takata in this car ruptured and caused this man's death. This is just this year another person which, according to Jalopnik, they say it's the 19th person, which means it could be a 190th person. Wow. Yeah. Had, had, um, yeah. was there a, did they know, did he ever, was there a recall done on that prior, or he never did it, or? This car has been through multiple owners. The current registered owner of the car at the time of the accident was not the driver. He apparently had borrowed this car from a friend. Hmm. The current registered owner had received a notification in November that the recall was still open, that parts are available, the car could be repaired. And he didn't do it. It was not done. Interesting. And this man has lost his life because Gosh. of this. You think the owner a has some liability there? He well know. I mean, if the family of his uh, friend. Nobody, nobody, nobody has any liability with Takata. Uh, everybody's forgotten about Takata. Uh, Terrible. You know, with the pandemic and the mm. world crisis and the microchip crisis, yeah. uh, has become yesterday's news. For you folks that haven't been doing, listening to the show for a long time, we were obsessed with Takata for a long time and did everything we could to get some attention drawn to it, and we were totally ignored. And you, this is what's happening. It's only yeah. going to get worse. The older another, cars are going to rupture airbags more frequently. Another, yeah, another terrible story. Uh, okay, uh, ladies, uh, uh, I've got $50 here for the first two new lady callers. If you were listening, you heard the first one come in, and uh, I'm waiting patiently for you. 877-960-9960. We still have time. 923, $50. Win-win situation. We are going to go to the phones where Nick is calling us from Boston, and uh, he, too, has called before. Good morning, Nick. Hi, good morning, Earl, Nancy, Stu. Uh, hope you guys are doing well. Oh, Listen, yeah. it's been a little couple months since I've called. I was just thinking, um, have you observed in the showroom in terms of closing ratios during um, the pandemic? Are the closing ratios higher because people are shopping less and only um, very serious people that are ready to buy are coming? Or um, you know, just what have you seen, and do you think this will be a structural change? Well, let me, I'll let Stu answer that. Let me tell everybody what closing ratio means. It's an in-house uh, term car dealers use to sell. Tell how many, what percentage of the cars 
are sold based on the number of customers they talk to. So if 10 customers come in and they make two sales, that's a 20% closing ratio. And the, the more demand and the more interest and the better the deals, the higher the closing ratio. So I'll let Stu answer that. Yeah, to answer your question, uh, yes, uh, the closing ratio, uh, uh, dealers are selling to a higher percentage of people that visit their showroom or call or send in an internet request. Um, the first part, we thought about this a lot. Um, some it was just kind of made common sense. There is a um, uh, phenomena in the car business, uh, like when, when there's really bad weather, when someone bothers to make it through a bad storm to come out to buy, a, to look at a car, they have a higher likelihood of coming out. In other words, they say, well, that's a serious buyer. So now imagine that on a global pandemic scale. <laughs> so the people that were coming out in 2020 were pretty serious about buying a car. A lot of people opted to you know, limit their traveling and they don't go into public places. So usually it was a needs-based purchase. Um, people's leases were ending, uh, people's cars were breaking down and they needed to replace it. So they were definitely motivated, more serious buyers, quote unquote. Um, now uh, it's continued, even though people are coming back out in the world and, and buying cars and buying everything else again. Um, the inventory shortage is making that a, a situation which is also increasing the closing ratio. Um, customers, and it's not usually it's usually it's a bunch of BS when a salesperson tells you that this car might not be here tomorrow. Um, these days, that's actually true. Um, so usually, the good inventory needs to get scooped up as quickly as possible. So there's an urgency to the to the whole situation. So. Uh, the average dealer closing ratio historically has been around 20%. Our dealership has been much higher that, than that, but we're seeing uh, dealerships um, reporting closing ratios in the 30, 35%, 40% range, uh, which is uh, really high compared to normal times. Got it, no, yeah. thank you. And listen, the other thing I, I thought I'd share, I don't know if I have any real insight, but it has come to my attention that a number of the captives uh, you know, finance arms associated with uh, the manufacturers. I think BMW was one specifically, but the, the OEMs are on to the fact that people are going to dealers or going to CarMax or Vroom mm -hmm. or Carvana and having their lease vehicles appraised. Um, I did one about, I guess, 16 months ago at this point because I wanted to get rid of it before, um, uh, so I wouldn't be in possession of the vehicle on the first of the year and mm -hmm. owe personal property tax, and I did have equity on my lease. Um, have you guys noticed that? And you know, do you think that that things like that are going to become more mainstream? You know, because to somebody that leases, especially if you're in an equity position and don't need the vehicle, it can be a no-brainer to you know have yeah. have a dealer have somebody buy it. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and that they're having different residuals if you if it's done through a participating dealer, and then I think you know they have a different number for CarMax or probably unaffiliated dealers. Yeah, we talk about that a lot on the show, and it's usually a rare occurrence. It's got to be a special car that has incredibly high residual, high resale value. Um, what we're seeing right now, people are selling their cars. The residuals were set three years ago, or, or even two years ago, uh, for X amount of dollars, and the actual value is is thousands of dollars higher than that. So people are getting out of their leases early and actually being able to walk away with a check um, for the equity in, the, in their lease, which, like I mentioned, in the, in the past, you'd find like a weird car. You know, like there would be a, uh, I remember when Prius did that, we talked about yeah, that. Yeah, three years ago, the manufacturers who set their residual values didn't anticipate the pandemic. 
And that, that's the only way it's you can so really start big. Yeah. And so an uh, unexpected event happened, and, uh, and your residual is something you definitely should look at if you have a lease car. And uh, if you want to speculate, uh, you might even want to think about leasing instead of buying now because uh, who knows how long this supply thing and microchip shortage will continue. And maybe three years from now, the market still could be going crazy. But that's a long shot. That's a bet. I wouldn't gamble on it. No, I agree. And I, I would also just, just for additional context people listening. I mean, I definitely wouldn't bet a bit against the actuaries, especially if you're talking oh, yeah. Corolla or you know, even something like a Lexus ES or RX where they have lots of data points. In my specific case, I was, I think, 27 months into a 36-month lease on a Lexus DT, and the mileage was way below what the residual was set. So it yeah. was easy for me to um, have it. I had sold it to Room. You know, they came, they picked it up, got a check. Um, saved the taxes for my county and my town and was able to pocket the difference. But Good it deal. seems the captive finance arms are on the people doing that, and I guess they want it to, to go through their pipeline and their channels, and they also want people to, of course, pay the fee because I think, you know, when you do a sale like that, it doesn't impose an administrative burden, and I you know I play several calls to Lexus Financial Services, you know, for me, um, uh, you know, with the lessor, and I'm wondering if they're catching up to that, and, you know, trying to do that as a deterrent or at a minimum have people, um, you know, pay, uh, you know, to, to hopefully have it go back through through their dealers because they're yeah. starved for, you know, good use. For I, I don't see them steering anybody that way. I mean, I think the even if it's a captive lender, ultimately they just want to have somebody take that car off their hands. They um, Maybe now they'd love to take it to the auction and sell it, which is what they do if, if no dealers buy it. So if they're you know, trying to steer the cars back to the selling dealer or at least the, the manufacturing dealer, um, in the past, uh, they would much rather have that dealer buy it um, because that's it's a guaranteed sale. The auction, they take a chance on losing money, especially if they were not, uh, if the residual wasn't properly calculated or they made a mistake. Yeah, Nick, to my knowledge, the, uh, the captive finance leasing companies uh, are pretty much separate entities. So yeah. uh, if, you know, Toyota Leasing, Toyota Finance, and Toyota Dealers are really separate. Uh, a long time ago, there was a big antitrust suit uh, for GMAC. There, at that time, they were the uh, captive lender for General Motors, and GMAC uh, was not uh, was uh, sued, and there was a antitrust suit against GM and GMAC for colluding, and they were working with the dealers, and they uh, the law ruled that they're separate legal entities, and they have to look for themselves, and they can't take care of the dealer's interest, and vice versa. So. Uh, pretty much arm's length between the, the lender and the leasing company and the dealer today. Got it. Well, hey, well, thanks for all that you guys do advocating for educating consumers and uh, peeling back the curtain as it may be. And uh, thanks for thanks for sharing. It was nice catching up. All right. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Thank you, Nick. Have a good oh. rest of your weekend. Stay safe out there. I love Boston, by the way. Yeah. We do, okay. indeed. Well, come up, come visit us sometime. I'd love to. <laughs> Stay in touch, Nick. Okay, uh, we are closing down our phone lines, and we're going to take uh, Texas, and yeah. we're going to take YouTube. So, yeah, we've take definitely it away. Uh, we've gotten the attention that this the whole crazy uh, new and used car market has got everybody interested. Um, here's a text that says, and it's it's a really good one. I hadn't thought about this. It says, 
I have a question about resale values. Since prices are overinflated now, will that mean that the depreciation, the depreciation will uh, be even more painful as the market settles? If I pay $1,000 more for a new car, shouldn't I expect a steeper and deeper drop in my car's resale value down the road? Yes. Yes. And I, I think yeah, nobody has a crystal ball. And uh, uh, when they, they set lease residuals, and when, be, when car dealers buy a car at the auction today, uh, I, uh, in our management meeting at our dealership a couple of weeks ago, I got into an argument with everybody about the fact that uh, we should be out aggressively buying cars to the auction because we are running out of the used cars. And uh, uh, car dealers have to be very careful. You pay too much for money for the car at the, at the auction and you don't sell it in 60 days. You take it at the auction, you take a big hit, you lose a lot of money on the car. But if you don't buy the car at the auction, you don't have anything to sell. So you have, it, it, you know, the car business is not an easy business. You have to take chances. And a lot of people out there are driving up used car prices. Carvana, uh, they have a huge amount of money from the initial public offering they did when they went public. They're, they're cash rich. And they go to these auctions and they buy cars at very high prices and the dealers get mad because they have to compete at the auction where they buy the car. And then Carvana turns around, marks it up and sells it because the public is so hungry for good used cars that they pay more than they should. And you heard us earlier in the show, if you're listening, we're actually selling used cars and used cars are being sold for over MSRP on the same new car. That's totally insane. And uh, you, it, when you have a situation like the pandemic and the microchip shortage, it throws all the laws of economics out the window, and it's a savage combat of supply and demand, and survival of the fittest, and once the music stops, somebody's going to get hurt. When the music stops and, and prices drop, the dealers are going to get hurt, and the buyers are going to get hurt. If you own the car, huge depreciation. You're absolutely right. Okay. All right, we'll go rapid fire uh, so we get to the mystery shopping report. First question is, what, this is anonymous feedback, what happened to Tina from Benita? Uh, we don't know. Ta we Tina, worry about her. Tina's, uh, Tina's doing well, as far as we know, and uh, what happened was her schedule had changed. Uh, so, uh, you know, that sort of complicates things. Uh, there's a few people out there that, uh, you know, our show is quite early and uh, they have a conflict with their work schedule no. and she did hello tina if you're listening don't get in trouble don't let <laughs> know you're listening but we miss you uh more anonymous feedback doesn't it make sense to wait until the market calms down to buy a new or used car why is anyone buying now i planned on purchasing a new house but it would be crazy to do so same thing with a car there's no need to do something when waiting will save you thousands I think it's a hoarding mentality. Remember what happened during the pandemic with toilet paper? Uh, you know, and the prices went up and everybody goes out and uh, you're afraid that there aren't gonna be any used cars left or there aren't gonna be new cars left or the prices are gonna go skyrocket higher. And so far, that might happen, but how long does that happen? You know, how long can you keep that old car you're driving? How long do you wanna keep it? So. It's buyer psychology, and it can work against you. Uh, maybe the best thing to do is do nothing. Uh, you know, there, um, you know, cars aren't like toilet paper. You got to have toilet paper, but uh, you don't. You know, you, if you have a Sears yeah. Roebuck catalog, you don't need toilet paper. That shows you how old I am. But, but anyway, uh, 
Uh, it yeah. isn't necessarily. Yeah. Some if it's a necessity, it's a different story. Yeah. Some people can't wait. Their car yeah. breaks down. They got to go to work. So. Yeah. I do have a good line on a ma very major supply of corn husks. Okay. <laughs> oh. I'm prepared. That's right. I'm not a farmer either. Yeah, but that's I guess a little rough. That's a little rough. Um, okay, oh more anonymous boy. feedback. Uh, oh does yeah, the manufacturer yeah. care how low below MSRP dealers sell new cars for? Do they ever penalize dealers for selling over MSRP? No and no. <laughs> no, they, they, the, the manufacturers want us to give the cars away and lose money, and they got to whip out. And if you don't sell a certain number of cars every month, they'll take your franchise away. Oh uh, there's a there's a real adversarial relationship between the manufacturer and the dealer, and uh, they they hold all the well. The dealers have a lot of power because of franchise laws, but uh, specifically, the dealers that sell the cars the cheapest are the most popular, not because they're selling them cheap, but because they sell more cars. Every car a dealer buys from the manufacturer, the manufacturer makes full list. It's manufacturer full list. Uh, the average profit now on a, on a new car sold to a dealer by the manufacturer is probably about $4,000. And the average profit that a dealer's making is twice as much as it used to be. That's about $2,000. So the manufacturer is still making twice as much when he sells the car to right. the dealer. And we can't negotiate with the manufacturer. And we can't negotiate. It's one price. Exactly. <laughs> you, you don't haggle. And they have dealer fees. Yeah. They do. They put their lowest price on every car. Exactly. It's so transparent. It is transparent. We know yeah. what we're getting. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, next one. Anonymous feedback. What happens when you drive your electric car into a lake? Are you and all the fish electrocuted? Uh, what about a lightning strike? Will that cause it to short circuit? These things can't be safe. You should always wear sneakers when you're driving near the water. <laughs> I don't know, Rick. Uh, what happens? The car goes in the lake. Does it kill all the fish? <laughs> Very unlikely. Uh, no, the, the amount of electric charge in that battery, if it were suddenly completely immersed, it would simply dissipate through the water and you wouldn't even feel a tingle. However, in a lightning strike, it would be just like any other car that got struck by lightning, even a near miss. It just stopped. It's gonna cook most of the computers in the car, okay. and odds are it's gonna be totaled out by your insurance company. Okay, one last question it. where we, we, we completed them all. Paul from Buffalo, I love the long distance text. Earl, how do the car companies plan to dispose of electric car batteries in the future? There's a lot of conversation about that, and they're, they're, they're addressing it. It's going to be a huge issue, and uh, there, are, uh, there are companies that are being formed today, IPOs, that are going public, uh, where they will be able to break down the batteries and uh, basically recirculate, what do you call it, recycle the batteries yeah. by breaking them down and uh, disposing of the components without having to bury them. Yep. So Volkswagen just finished building the first battery recycling plant yeah. in Germany, yeah. and they're going to do about 3,600 batteries a year starting up, and they're going to, trans. I think, be able to recycle 60% of the, the materials. Exactly. What happens to the other 40%? We don't know. Okay, let's move to the Mystery Shopping Report. Mystery Shopping Report is of Palm Beach, Mitsubishi. A new Mitsubishi dealer opened up Mitsubishi. when nobody was paying attention. I, I, I even forget the name Mitsubishi sometimes. It's hard to pronounce. <laughs> well, at least we weren't paying attention. We didn't know it. And I didn't know it when I got the shopping report from, from the cyber spy master, Stu, 
over there. I said, oh, I didn't know we had a new Mitsubishi dealer in town. Yeah, when Ancient Lightning said Palm Beach Mitsubishi, I thought that it was Schumacher's. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't. Yeah. In 2017, Mitsubishi granted an open point dealership. That means a brand new location uh, to West Palm Beach to Christian Berrien. Uh, Chris Berrien, I know him because I hired his boat captain a long time ago. Uh, he's the owner of Coral Cadillac in Pompano Beach. In 2019, the new Mitsubishi dealership was built on a parcel of land on the corner on the corner of Belvedere Road and Australian Avenue. Belvedere Road and Australian. I'm trying to envision that. Isn't the dog track out there somewhere? Uh, I don't know. That's actually. It's going to be east of the dog track. It's right where they built that new uh, drive shack driving range, okay. right across the street from. Yeah. Mitsubishi is doing very well in the United States. They only sell a little over 100,000, isn't doing very well. They only sell a little over 100,000 new vehicles in the U.S. every year. I think the top three Toyota dealers sell more than 100,000 themselves. I think Al Henderson in, gets close. In a year. <laughs> uh, that, that's minuscule, 100,000 a year. Yeah. Uh, their market share is only 0.71%, less than 1%. Toyota, to give you an example, is 15%. Uh, so uh, they're practically not here, Mitsubishi which is actually up from 0.56% over five years ago. So better. their sales have soared 25%. Right. So rumors have swirled for years that Mitsubishi may pack it up and pull out of North America. If they did, nobody would notice. <laughs> this didn't sound so crazy, considering I personally witnessed Lake Park Mitsubishi uh, right near my Toyota dealership wither and eventually die over the last two years. The fact that they are opening new points leads me to doubt the rumors that Mitsubishi is calling quits, and uh, Stu wrote that. I'm a, I, I take exception to that. I think what this dealer had, uh, Chris Berry, and had in mind, is he wants to he wants a different franchise there, and he doesn't have the. He's, he's trying to get a Lexus, or he's trying to get a Toyota, or he's trying to get a Honda, and he hasn't been successful yet. He's lobbying for a good franchise, so. He couldn't get one, so he took the Mitsubishi as a temporary thing, which is a big mistake. He'd have been better off just to buy the land and pay the fixed costs and not have the heartache of a Mitsubishi dealership. Good point. And uh, rec uh, recently, the manufacturer introduced a new plug-in hybrid SUV. That's Mitsubishi. The Outlander, the PHEV, uh, plug, 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 hybrid, hi plug, plug in hybrid, hybrid electric. Yeah that has generated a little buzz. Perhaps Mitsubishi sees an opening in the ultimate fuel market. I doubt it. Mitsubishi is a dead man walking, <laughs> a dead manufacturer walking. Whatever the plan, Mitsubishi has a tough road to hoe. Their reputation for producing unreliable vehicles will hamper any comeback. Most of their current models have yet to be tested or are currently being tested by Consumer Reports. Why should they Consumer Reports test a car when nobody's buying it? We don't know if the workmanship and design has improved. The recent model years, however, didn't do well. Yeah, they have, like, really poor reliability scores. Uh, we have no idea what the sales culture was like at the Mitsubishi dealership. Uh, the last mystery shop, one of their dealerships, it was Lake Park Mitsubishi for Takata Airbag Test. We learned that they were willing to sell a car with a recall, but not much else about their sales desk tactics. Uh, Agent Lightning, our female shopper, and we've been using her almost exclusively, catching up because it was years and years before we got a full-time uh, female shopper, and she's doing a fabulous job. Uh, 
After she heard one of their radio ads, she found this uh, dealership offering to double your down payment up to $4,000. Uh, credit amnesty, I hate that. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it addresses the people with a bad credit or perceived bad credit and takes advantage. I don't like that. Credit amnesty, it's a lie. They don't give you credit amnesty. If you had bad credit, they can't get your finance, but they want to get you in the door. And uh, it's cruel and unusual punishment. It was not clear whether the offer meant that uh, it was up to $4,000 or you could double the $4,000 down payment. And ambiguity is the name of the game in car dealer advertising. We hear what we want to hear. And we want to hear that if you've got a lot, of, if you got down payment, you want to hear it like, hey, if I got $4,000, they'll match it. That'll give me a $4,000 discount. And uh, that's what you hear. The meaning is, in the eye of the beholder, uh, we approve the mission, send Agent Lightning on our way. Here's the report, speaking as if I were Agent Lightning. After hearing the radio ad for doubling down payments, I went online, found the identical offer. The online ad specified 2020 model year vehicles, so I suspected there may not be many available for the offer. There was a contact form on the ad, so I entered my information waited for a response. I received an email from Nicholas asking how he could help me. I replied that I was interested in the double your down payment promotion and asked what vehicles were available with that offer. I said I was interested in the 2020 Outlander listed for $16,711, discounted from, get this, 24,975. Now that's a doozy that's huge. of a discount. Yeah, when I saw that, I'm like, that can't be right. That's less. Yeah. The Allender is a, a SUV. This the 16711 yeah. is cheaper than you can buy a, a compact car for. Yeah. So you, you know my standard advice: ignore all car dealer advertising. And this is why. Nicholas replied with a screenshot of seven Mitsubishi's, various models. Yes, these are the ones we have left. Seven. Wow, that's not a bad uh, number. So I asked if the double deal was legit, and he confirmed it was, up to $4,000. That's clearly stated in the ad, he said. <laughs> clearly, clearly, I'm on, I don't clear, know about that. Clearly it stated. was stated. <laughs> Nicholas emailed me several times that day trying to set an appointment. I ignored him. I waited until the next morning, and I drove down to Palm Beach, Mitsubishi, Australian and Belvedere in West Palm Beach. I was approached by two men just as I climbed out of my car. One of them introduced himself as Phil and asked how he could help. I said I was working with another salesman there named Nicholas. I, uh, I said he was helping me out with a double your down payment promotion. Phil said that he didn't think Nick was there today and he'd be happy to help me. Uh, I chuckle when I say that because in car dealerships, the dealer, the salesmen compete among themselves with the customers and they will, the, the, the term is skate a customer. I'm not sure skate where it came from, but they will, they will take somebody else's customer and lie to them about, oh, that customer asked for me. I talked to him on the phone yesterday. So uh, when you see the wolf pack out on the curb, when you pull into a dealership, they're out there trying to grab you as a customer so that the guy inside that had to get a cup of coffee and go to the bathroom, he's not going to get to talk to this customer, even if the customer asks for him, oh, Nick is off today. That's what happens. Inside Skate alert. Yeah. He asked the other man to excuse us. I laughed and said, customers first. They both laughed in return, 
And Phil said, yeah, especially the pretty ones. Creepy yeah. alert. <laughs> Sorry. What's that? I said creepy alert. Yeah. But uh, it, it's kind of a... Uh, He's being know, nice. Yeah. A little inappropriate. Though. Yeah, it could be. I mean, some people would have... Old-fashioned. ...as sexist. Not good. Phil led me inside to the desk, and he searched his computer for the Outlander I was looking for. I told him I saw it yesterday and I hoped it was still there. Phil assured me that it was still there because they didn't sell any cars yesterday. <laughs> that's, that's how he knew. There's no way that car went anywhere because uh, we didn't sell uh, any cars. That's so sad. You know, part of the problem with... Don't, don't mention how many cars we sold part, yesterday. Part of the problem with marginal franchises, and we, we talked about Nissan this way, uh, when a car dealer, when a car salesman is looking for a job, and nobody will hire him, he goes to the Mitsubishi or the Nissan store. And so a bad situation made worse, a marginal franchise cannot hire good salespeople. And, uh, and that's a, and it's a never-ending cycle. Exactly. And so uh, you, go into a, you go into a Nissan dealership, or especially a Mitsubishi, you're, you're talking to the, the dregs. These are the poor guy that couldn't get hired anywhere else for whatever reason. That's not to say they're not honest and they're good people, but they couldn't get hired for whatever reason. Uh, he pulled up a 2020 Outlander Sport on the screen. I confirmed it was the same one I saw online. Great, Phil exclaimed. Let me get your info, we'll take it for a ride. After a few minutes, Phil excused himself to get the key. He returned shortly, looking dejected. Nick is here. <laughs> or, unfortunately, Nick saw me. I want to know what I was doing with who was that lady out there? But I think because he entered some stuff in the computer, and most of these customer management systems yeah. will, will issue a scaler. Yeah. So Nick got a notification <laughs> that Phil is entering his customer in the computer. Yeah. Nick Guaranteed. saw. I said, "You're trying to escape me, you blankety blank," and that's my customer. And so anyway, unfortunately, I have to hand the keys over to you. He said Nick would hand be out. I know. I like to. I have to hand you over to him, like she was an him. object yeah. to be handed uh, over. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, he said Nick would be out in a few minutes with the keys. Nick showed up, introduced himself, led me outside of the Outlander. He unlocked the doors, unlocked the doors, handed the keys to me. He asked for my driver's license so he could take a photocopy, and I went back inside. I waited seven minutes. I know so. Agent Lightning is very she, precise. She, she starts the timer whenever. Yeah. Every time she's made to wait, she yeah. starts her watch. It's timer. usually 15 minutes. So this is actually pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, seven minutes. When he when he did, he was on the phone having a conversation. Now this is just rude. Is stupid. Uh, when you have a salesperson, the customer gets your undevoted attention. Right. You don't talk to anybody else, especially on the phone. He could have been talking to his girlfriend. Yeah. Who knows who he's talking he, he to? He can't afford to lose another customer, though. Yeah. He put, the the he put the plate on the card, continued the conversation for several more minutes while I waited uh, by the car. So I told you, he's okay. a terrible salesman, and that's, how he, that's why he's working at the Mitsubishi dealership. Uh, he finished his call, well, when, then we both climbed into the Outlander. Nick apologized for the phone call. I ignored the apology, asked him why there was no window <laughs> sticker on the car. Dumb. And dumb, that's illegal. Dumb. Huh? That's a violation. It's a, it's a federal uh, violation. Yeah. And the, there are very high fines and penalties. The Monroney Law, enacted in law in 1958, says you must have a window sticker on every car, the Monroney label, and it cannot be removed until it is sold and the customer requests you to remove it and you give the, the customer the copy of the Maroni label. Uh, where am I? I said, uh, okay, 
Where am I? Oh, right. he apologized and he asked why there wasn't a window sticker on the car. He looked around and he had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> he okay. said he had no idea. Okay. I said I wanted to uh, see it because I wanted to confirm this was not the one. Uh, it was the same one that I looked at online. Uh, Nick opened the glove compartment, looked under the seat, looked at the back seat. He couldn't find it. So they lost the Monroney label. And uh, that's just, uh, let's put it this way. The law is not enforced, so uh, Nick, don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. uh, you, they, they should police the lots. Uh, we've done that, and we found legitimate dealers with a lot of cars without minority labels, new cars. So the federal law is not enforced by the state uh, regulatory agencies, the Department of Motor Vehicles, or anybody else. Just like most laws in Florida are not enforced. I said I want to see uh, to confirm blah, blah, blah. He said, uh, he suggested I look at the Monroney label of semi-equipped 2021 model. I objected and said that they were different. They disagreed and said they were basically the same. Well, that's not true. I mean, uh, you can, fundamentally, they probably are close, but you got to see the Monroney. Never, never buy a car without seeing the Monroney label. You could really get taken advantage of. And even if they don't show it to you, verify the MSRP. That can be verified online. We took a test drive. I asked Nick if there would be a lot of expensive fees since they would be doubling my $4,000 down payment. Nick said, it's not $4,000 they're doubling, it's $2,000 for a maximum of $4,000. Again, a lie, uh, misrepresentation in the advertising. Then he said they would only charge the standard fee, same as everyone else, which is BS, $998 dealership fee, dealer fee, uh, tag, that's legit, and something like $350 for electronic, which is another hidden fee. Two hidden fees that should have been included in the advertised price by Florida law, which is totally ignored by the Attorney General and everybody else. Uh, I asked if the price would change from the online price since I'd be making out the down payment offer. Nick said the price would be the same, plus the fees he mentioned. We went back to the dealership, found a new desk. Nick began asking a series of increasingly personal questions. Then he asked me how much money I made. I stopped him. I told him he needed to go see his manager, get the numbers before I shared any more information. I also cautioned that I would not allow my credit to be run until I knew exactly what the deal was. Nick looked flustered and he tried to get a sales worksheet from his manager, even though he did not have the required information. I saw Nick speaking with the manager, but I couldn't hear what they were saying. The manager looked displeased with Nick. He returned with a worksheet and a different deal than what they posted online. Before he reviewed it, he said, apparently, I was wrong about the pricing we discussed on the test drive. I'm sorry, maybe they have a different deal going on, or maybe I've just got it wrong. He seemed ashamed. The sale price was $18,961, $2,000 higher than the internet price. Bait and switch, blatant, illegal, uh, nauseating that they, they would do this. They added $550 for registration, $998 document fee, BS, $397 electronic fee, hidden fees. My $2,000 payment was listed as a deposit, not a down payment as a deposit. What can I say? Uh, that, that's totally illegal. That's a total lie, blatant lie. Yeah, you definitely got it wrong. I said that point to the bottom line, and that's why they hadn't shown 
that my down payment was being doubled. Vic said he'd be right back, and he left to get another form. He said this was a form I'd fill out in F&I that addressed the doubling of my down payment. So they're hiding everything until you get into the box, mm -hmm. into the F&I department. So this is the most deception I've seen in a long time. I looked at Nick, said I could tell him, tell he was having a hard time. I read, I said this whole experience was not sitting well with me. I said it was because everything with my husband, but I probably wouldn't be coming back. Now we don't have to wonder what the sale experience is like in, in the Mitsubishi dealership. Whether the ambiguous offer doubling down was intentional or not, it was definitely clever. It was intentional. It was devilishly it's clever. And uh, here we are. I mean, uh, this is the worst uh, shopping report I've seen in a long time. Fortunately, Mitsubishi doesn't sell any cars. It has no impact on our community. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, if you have to have, I would much rather have a crooked dealer that doesn't sell any cars right. than a crooked dealer oh, yeah. that sells a huge uh, amount of cars. And unfortunately, there are a lot of crooked dealers that sell a huge amount of cars. That's usually the case. The more crooked you are sometimes, it yeah. helps sales. Yeah. Uh, we have grades coming in. Linda gives them a big, it gives them a fat F, a rude salesperson. And then text coming in. We just have uh, two from Jonathan in Wellington. He says, hmm, new, new dealership, same old car sales tricks, law-breaking and lies. And if the salespeople will cheat each other, they'll cheat the customer too. I'll give them an F. And then Bob, it would have been an F minus, but with grading amnesty, <laughs> <laughs> with grading MC, it's just an F. It's like credit MC, but it's grading MC. And Amory says, Congratulations, they win the bottom of the barrel award for the week. <laughs> They've earned an F for bait and switch, uh, losing Monroney label, lying, etc. And uh, I'm not going to be as cruel. I'm going to give them a D because even though it was kind of egregious, I think it's in line with some of the common behavior out there. So I'll, I'll give them a D. Oh, Maybe God. D minus. Rick? Yeah, I've got Alva Thompson saying, not looking good, so I'm going to call that one a fail. Uh, Mark from St. Louis with an F minus. Let's see, Donovan, total F, really bad experience. Tim Gilliland, a ginormous F. Tom, F. Chad Logan, it's a long drive out the left field, going, going foul, F. <laughs> Mark Smith with an F. Uh, John with a big F. Mark Ryan with an F. Wayne with an F and Ernesto with an F. Oh. <laughs> uh, he's on fire today. Can it get but. any worse, Nancy? Can it get any worse? I like that. I like that advertisement. Yeah. You don't spot and I, I'm you going don't, F you don't see that. You don't see that very often. I'm going to give them a uh, disgusting F. Well, congratulations, Chris Perrion, on your new dealership. And uh, I guess you don't. You knew you were going to sell any cars anyway. And we're going to put you on the, not just the don't recommend, we're going to say ought to be in jail list. <laughs> well, you know, uh, they, this is their uh, inaugural appearance on gooddealerbaddealerlist.com. It's not an auspicious uh, event, but uh, there you are. Your name will be on lights with a big fed F. <laughs> yeah. Okay. After this, all car shops will look good. We are out of time. And uh, we are ready to get out of here. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to Earl Stewart on Cars. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.